Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Forbes. It is a rainy-ass 420. I'm feeling high. High on draft prep. So welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. Like I said, uh, this is your host, Drew Forbes. We are joined today by Brandon Brister, who is joining us actually remotely from Indianapolis, Indiana. We're also joined by the great and powerful Newman and Mr. Grizzly Bear Man himself, Marcus. Today, we're going to be breaking down the draft, specifically the first round, uh, what our takes are on the first round, how we think that's going to develop, how it should develop, and most importantly, the thing that I want to remind everybody, you know, the draft is such an exciting time every year, but it's also a reminder. It's an annual reminder that the average NFL GM is complete dog shit. Mr. Brandon Brister, speaking of dog shit GMs, who would you say is your least favorite? Who is the worst GM in, in recent memory for you? Well, first off, I hope that wasn't an indictment of my fantasy football skills, um, because if it was, fuck you. Hmm. Um, but on a uh, on a serious note, um, I, uh, I'm a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, but I do live, as you mentioned, in Indianapolis. So I got to witness firsthand the complete fuckery that Ryan Grigson made of the Andrew Luck era. Um, He was unable to put a line in to protect him, repeatedly missed on offensive weapons, completely forgot that a defense was necessary. And the dude was just an overall sleazeball. Um, He kept a terrible coaching staff. He, He messed up on all levels. On, on the financials, on the team construction, on the leadership. Um, Ryan Grigson is my vote for the most inept GM um, to run an organization. I like it. Now, he, w- was he the GM throughout all the Peyton years? No, no. Um, God, I'm blanking on the, his name. He's on ESPN all the time. Polian, because they're both fucking terrible. Like, well, what are the odds that they Bill, Bill Polian? Yeah, Bill Polian. Bill Polian. Bill Polian yeah. Um, what are the odds that they select two awful GMs back to back? And that seems to be the nature of so many NFL teams. It's not just that they hire bad GMs; it's that they retain them through well, awful decisions. Drew, you got to think about who's who's steering that ship. It's it's Pill Pop and Jim Irsay. You're expecting that guy to make a good business decisions on leadership yeah but uh, the, it's it's not mutually exclusive to the colts there's so many teams that just ride themselves into the dumpster every each and every year so let, let, let's keep going around newman who's who's the worst gm you can remember in recent years and why is it matt light jason light jason light yeah J- jason light's uh gotta be up there in terms of you know his his production as as an uh as a GM, he has pretty much drafted maybe I, w- I would give him credit for maybe four or five players in like six or seven drafts or something that he's actually gotten right in terms of he drafted a good player in a spot that it wasn't necessarily expected, right? I don't give him credit for Jameis Winston or blame. I don't give him credit for Mike Evans, even though he's really good. I'll give him credit for like Chris Godwin, Levant, 
I, I think Levante David was actually before him, so he doesn't get credit for that guy. Uh, I mean, he, he's got a couple, but he's also made some horrendous mistakes, right? So he traded up, traded up, sacrificing a pick to draft a kicker in the second round, which he then later cut like a year and a half later. That's, I mean, that should have gotten him fired right there. Then he rides out the entire Lovey tenure, the entire um, Kirk Cutter tenure, and now he's on his third head coach already. Like, how many GMs actually get a chance to hire and fire a third coach? To me, honestly, if the Brady Tom Brady experiment doesn't result in Tampa Bay at least making it to the playoffs, then Jason Light should be fired immediately. He probably should have been fired years ago, but that that's definitely up there. Marcus, what about you? Well, the the Brady experiments showing um, their, their ticket sales are obviously blowing up for the, for Tampa Bay. Um, obviously he's made some very, very great move for the Glaziers in terms of ownership and, and just padding their dollars so they can spend more money on Manchester United. Right. I, I, for me, I, I just flirt with, uh, Gettleman from the giants. Uh, he, he spent some years over in Carolina. Um, Those were some bad years too, but, but you look at just terrible picks, uh, personnel moves. Um, he's the only guy that really comes up as a, wow, you're dog shit in my book. Yeah. Uh, my guy is definitely Ted Thompson. Um, I mean, it really doesn't even need to be said, but he had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, uh, refused to build a team around either. Probably both top 10, right? Top 10 quarterbacks of all time? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yes, 100%. Two top 10 quarterback, all-time quarterbacks, and, geez, try to name five Green Bay receivers, like, right off the top of your head, like, go, go, five great uh, Greg, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver. Yeah, I'm not uh, actually. It's it's Devontae Adams. It's, it's, it's rhetorical. <laughs> Jordy Nelson, obviously. Um, but the fact that he got so little talent around both Brett Favre. I mean, think about it. Try and name a lot of Brett Favre's receivers besides like Donald Driver and and uh, Sharp. Yeah, very. You can name very few. So he really didn't have great receivers ever. Right. Um, and that's interesting. He also Desmond Howard though. He also was sacked a lot, as was Aaron Rodgers, yeah. like, in, to a ridiculous degree his first couple seasons. I don't know if you guys remember that, but he was just getting his ass kicked the first couple of years. Bad offensive line. Bad and, offensive line. And bad Never uh, bad good defenses. Defense. Yeah. yeah. The one time they had a decent defense with Charles Woodson, you know, and that wasn't like, that was just a lucky free agent signing that they yeah. got. Um, it's just, it's just amazing to me that these guys not only are hired, but that they're retained for as long as they are. They did have a good wide receiver out of Florida State for a period of time. I forget his name now. I think it was Javon something, and he got like hurt. He had like a hip, serious hip injury. Javon that, Curse? No, not that. That's a that's a defensive end. Javon Walker? Yeah. Yes, that might be it. Um, but he was he was a really good receiver. He had some really productive seasons. They didn't want to sign him to an extension, and then he got hurt, and that was exactly the reason why he was like planning on holding out, and and not and and they didn't give him the extension. He got hurt, and that pretty much ended his career. I remember him. He was actually really good. Yeah. But so Thursday, uh, as real, I real quick, Drew, before we leave this topic, um, the Browns have had nine GMs in 20 years. How do you build any consistency, any flow of direct? Like, the, the Browns are very consistent, I would argue. They're consistently, consistently bad. bad. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just absurd to me. Like, I looked it up because I you know, I couldn't think of who it was before the current John Dorsey. And I looked it up. 
John Dorsey is not time, the current Butch, GM of the Browns, by the way. They let Butch Davis be the head coach and GM for three seasons. That's like, how they got him away from Miami when he was at the U in, in, in their heyday. Uh, just for the record, John Dorsey is no longer the, head, the GM of the Browns. It is Andrew Brandt, who is 32 years old and from the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Um, but it is kind of random. Like I think it's Brandt. Know, as many GMs as they've had, it's, it's funny because um, they kept what's-his-name, the coach, around for as long as they did. Um, who was one of the worst winning percentages ever in NFL history. Well, why am I blanking on his name? Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. And then they finally move on from him. Too late. Should have been before the season. They finally move on from Hugh Jackson. And then they hire <laughs> the most unimpressive human being on earth, Freddie Kitchens. And it's just like, God, what? There are so many talented coaches out there. Like, why – it just blows my mind how bad GMs are in the NFL. And it, it, it has to do with, I guess, I, I don't really even know what it has to do with it. I, it's, it. It always seems to be a situation where they're friends with the owner, or you know what I'm saying, they came up with the organization, and, like, the owner, it's like they owe them something, or it's it's so bizarre. I don't get it. How about Bruce Allen in Washington, right? And before that, with the Bucks, he actually took over for – Rich McKay, when Rich McKay was the GM of the Bucks, uh, when the Bucks were good and went to the Super Bowl, then Bruce Allen takes over. He was handpicked by John Gruden, so John Gruden could basically puppeteer him. Then he goes to Washington and he hires another Gruden so that that Gruden can kind of puppeteer him too. And basically, all Bruce Allen did was ruin teams, and yet he still was an NFL GM for probably like 15, 20 years, something like that. Um, also, to correct my earlier mistake, it's Andrew Barry is the name of the Browns GM. So, I mean, that just goes to, Drew, your point for kicking this thing off. There are more bad GMs and good GMs in, yeah. in the National Football League. Well, so with that in mind, let's go Let's go around the horn. Uh, let's start with Marcus. And tell me a guy that you actually like. And, and it can't be Bill Belichick. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just remove Bill Belichick from the equation. Obviously, he's the greatest. Um, but who's, who, who, who is a really good GM out there that's still a GM currently yeah. or a guy that no, could just, have been. Just, just somebody out there that, that used to be there. Yeah. Just so, um, exact spot that Newman's going to go with on this. Ozzie Newsom was yeah. amazing. Yeah, he was, for sure. he was nothing short of amazing. Um, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of what Colbert's doing in Pittsburgh. Um, truthfully, um, a, a lot of solid draft picks, um, not overpaying, um, at, at different spots to move up. Um, but consistently outside of the draft, um, doing proper financial moves to and getting the right players at the right price and the into placement around uh, schemes and fits. Uh, so uh, Covert's been um, um, exceptional, and I, I think um, I think there's a few teams that are trying to hire him out. I was reading on Carolina's uh, uh, one of the teams that have been um, interested in getting him to move yeah, over. Tepper, the the owner of the Panthers, uh, he he was with. The Steelers, he was a partial owner there, so he has some experience. That's why he was trying to bring him over. You know what one of the most impressive parts about Ozzie Newsom is? Is the fact that you can close your eyes every year and project the top 10 defenses, and you know that the Ravens are going to be there every year. Yep. I can't remember an organization that has been so consistent on defense. I mean, we're talking all the way back to 2001. And how many They've defensive coordinators, right? It's, it's a great organization. Um it's it's such a shame that they lost him. Uh, the NFC, the AFC North just overall, you know, with the, the top two teams at the top, they're they're just so impressively the way that they're run 
and the way that they're constantly able to just churn out these formidable teams. It, yeah. it really is amazing. But Newman? Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh, my boy, John Lynch. Has that guy ever failed at anything he's ever done in his entire life? Probably not. He is one of the young up-and-coming GMs. All he's done is build a team that's gone to the Super Bowl already two years in. And, How long uh, has he been there, Newman? I'm not. I'm just asking. He was hired alongside of Kyle Shanahan. They were hired. Okay. They were basically hired together. So yeah, the two of them. You know that that's a match made in heaven. That's a team that's going to be perennially good. Uh, if we knew any Niners fans, they'd probably be really excited about both of those decisions. But you know, uh, they don't live over here in, on the East Coast. Another guy that I just wanted to highlight real quick is Brandon Bean from the uh, Buffalo Bills. I think he's doing a really good job. And I think he's got that team moving in a direction where, you know, the, the way that they've assessed players and, 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 and uh, formulated that team, constructed that team, it, it's, it's pretty good, you know, despite having some, some serious flaws and, and being in a competitive environment. So uh, I think he's doing a pretty good job. But John Lynch is my guy here. Well, Lynch is a good move. But I think, I think Buffalo will ultimately um, have some regrets about making the trading out their first round of and Stephon Diggs this year. Um, obviously, a couple other picks that were moved, but um, um, th- th- that one's going to come back to haunt them um, in the next three years. It may. It very well may. I think John Lynch is a little premature, to be honest. I mean, literally, one winning season. It, 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 what, what, is the San Francisco team really good? It really is, yeah. But they've also had some really good picks. Um, I don't know that some of the moves that he's made have been all that great. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo sure seemed like a great move at the time, but man, that guy sure seems a lot like Kirk Cousins these days. Um, very underwhelming. Very, very underwhelming. underwhelming. I, 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 I kind of dug the concept of them finding a way to move on and just go to Tom Brady and use Tom Brady as a bridge quarterback and just move on from Garoppolo. Yeah. I've been saying it for years. I think with the NFL, which is why I think uh, your stance yesterday on quarterbacks is so insane to me. I think in the NFL, you have to find your quarterback. And until you do, continue to seek him out. If you know you got a guy and you know he's consistently average, I'm telling you, just move on. <laughs> like, who, I, who, I, I, who? I'm with you on the moving on yeah. stance for sure. Uh, I, who, and I wrote an article about that as well. Who wants to be nine or ten, you know, win season teams when you are when you know for a fact that that guy's never going to bring you the promised land? I mean, we, we can get further into this. The I Chargers mean, if you organization. To. Yeah, that is so, that, that is the organization yeah. that loves ten win quarterbacks for sure. So, so how, here, how about a guy like Dak Prescott? Right, like the Cowboys are you know franchise tagging him, and he wants to be the highest paid player in all of football. Would you sign him? I sure as hell wouldn't. I'd draft Jalen Hurts, plug and play, and I think he'd be just as good as Dak was because I don't think Dak's that great. To be fair, yeah, and I I actually I love the the Jameis to the Cowboys theory. Um, I don't think it ends up ends up happening because mm-hmm. it's too radical and it's too. Uh, it's not Cowboys. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. it just isn't that organization. I think the, I think Jameis really fits that organization well, he, he though. Would thrive there. He would thrive there. Yeah. Um, so let's talk draft philosophy. Uh, first round is this Thursday. We're going to talk a lot of the first round today. Um, you know, just going to the draft. You're a GM, especially this draft. You know, knowing the players we have, like what what, what type of strategy are you implementing for this draft? Uh, for me, there's there's so much scouting and so much film watching and so many employees um, paid to be experts. Go get your guy, right? Like, if you really, really like a guy, go after him. I think the draft is probably one of the things that people overthink um, 
you know there's there's way too much value to be had to pick a guy that is reactionary um that so that's one philosophy um another one is um know the positions that you can get later on um for me that is a lot of the skill positions um wide receivers running backs tight ends um i think you can find a lot of value in in outside skill positions later in the draft and then the last thing drew is almost exactly what you said um you know if you have the ability to go and get the best quarterback in that year's draft you go and get them even if your team has bigger needs you go and get that quarterback um again a lot of gms overthink it um and, and really you know if you in my mind, if you follow those three philosophy points, you're going to find success. Okay, so I'm going to take a pretty different stance on this. I'm not a go-get-your-guy kind of person. I like to take a holistic view. I like to look at what's potentially coming down the line. So I want to take a quick look at what's coming next year's draft to also analyze what I have in terms of value of this year's draft. I'm a value-based guy, so if there's a really deep position and I have guys closely grouped, I'm okay with passing on player A for player B if I, if I have them pretty close, right? So uh, in this particular draft, given the current situation where teams weren't able to do as much scouting and, and they weren't able to bring in guys for, for work, they weren't able to do pro days and bring in guys for interviews and stuff, I think this is the draft where if you have any draft strategy, the strategy should be trade back, acquire as many picks as you can because they're all freaking lottery tickets, right? So I'm going to take as many as those as I can, I can. And don't be surprised when the Patriots do just that because that's what they're known for. Yeah, so um, the go get your guy thing, I think it only holds true for quarterbacks personally. Um, I think I think if, if you like a quarterback, you go get them at, at any, you know, Whatever it takes to get them, go get them. Um, and the, the Redskins did that when they got RG3. And honestly, if everything would have worked out and he wouldn't have gotten injured, I still think that would have worked out. Um, but there have been plenty of other times where it has worked out. I truly believe that, though. If, if you think that the quarterback is your guy, go get him. Every other position just seems like such a crapshoot. Um, yeah, I, I disagree. I mean, look, I, I agree with the, the quarterback thing. That's what the Chiefs did, right? The Chiefs traded um, to get the Mahomes with the number 10 pick. Yeah, but, um, but they let him fall that low. If they really wanted him, they would have traded up even more to get him. So even they had their doubts. Um, but I, I look yeah. at the Steelers last year, traded up to get Devin Bush. In my mind, Devin Bush is going to be a 10 to 12-year starter. Um, I don't have all of, the, all of those examples in front of me, but I bet you can look up and a – a key piece to any winning team, they went out and got their guy. Um, so I, that's that's the philosophy I believe in, but that's why uh, there's multiple ways to skin a cat here. I don't know. The Bears went and got their guy. Yep, How'd sure that did. work out? Sure did. Um, and, the, and the Saints went and got Ricky Williams. I mean, it's not a perfect science. Like Newman said, It's they're all lottery tickets. Um, yeah, I just think there's certain positions to go after really strongly, and then there's other positions where – you know, if you really like a wide receiver, I would pause and look at the the numbers. Uh, you're probably wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there, there's a lot of different positions that I think you got to pull back on. But, yeah, I mean, quarterback, um, a, a lot of defensive linemen seem to be surefire hits. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, 
if you have like a non-bustable position, non-wide receiver, non-offensive line, I think that you definitely go get your guy. But man, it's it just seems to be such a crapshoot in recent years. Yeah, I think you'd almost rather see your team miss but try and get them than um, than sit back and wait um, for who whatever's position they're slotting. Uh, you know, like like, like you reference Washington. Yeah, you know, maybe it didn't work out, but you know, at least they at least they gave it a go to try and you know propel their team. Agreed, a hundred percent, Marcus. That's I'd rather go down swinging than trading back. And well, this guy's only marginally better than the guy we have now. No, you go and get your franchise changing player if you think that that is. And if if you're wrong, you're probably getting fired. So, so for me, let me give you an example um, for this year's draft. I'm insanely high on Isaiah Simmons. Um, out of Clemson, dude's a monster. You're the you're the only person on that hill for sure. <laughs> well, you know, for me, um, I I wouldn't be upset, um, you know, for a team to give up um, more than half of their draft value in this year to move up to get a uh, player that I it, obviously in my mind I think he's a um, a very unique player and very talented, but sometimes you, a lot of those mid round draft picks are just going to turn to plug, you know, fill guys um, or at best um, give it up, give up half your draft, go get someone that you think could really turn around your franchise. Yeah. Yeah. No, Isaiah Simmons just is, is an absolute freak of nature. Um, he's one of those guys that he could literally play any position on the field. Yeah. He could play wide receiver. He'd be a good wide receiver. Yep. I'm certain of that. Uh, Speaking of guys like that, Derwin James is, is a guy that he reminds me of a lot. Uh, and Derwin James went to uh, a camp in high school, one of those Nike premier camps or whatever. And they didn't have any wide receivers to run against the DBs, so they're just like, hey, go catch some balls. And he was straight up mossing everybody. Will we ever go a podcast with Newman not bringing up Derwin James? No, <laughs> prob- probably not. Probably not. <laughs> it's pretty godly around these parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking yesterday about uh, – to avoid running backs. And I, th- I found this interesting, but I pulled up just a random list. I don't even agree with the list, but I just pulled up the first list that I saw top 10 running backs of all time. And in order, they were Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, Tony Dorsett, Franco Harris, and LaDainian Tomlinson. What do all 10 of those players have in common? They were all first round draft picks. Correct. Newman could see my notes. <laughs> um, no, I, I can't actually. But so maybe that's outdated um, because you know. Well, yeah. When's the last time one of those guys played in the league? I mean, Adrian Peterson still currently plays in okay. the league. Out, outside of Adrian Peterson. I mean, a lot of people very recently with Danny and Tomlinson. Uh, but it's, I mean, we're, like, we're talking about years. years. This is it's a whole career that they're taking into but consideration. Y- but of course, yard, they're not playing anymore. Yards and production don't always equate to success. I mean, there's obviously accomplished running backs on the list that you read off there, but that was a different era. Emmett Smith uh-huh. won three Super Bowls. Jim Brown won like what seven NFL championships. Barry, Barry Sanders won zero. Adrian Peterson won zero. Eric, Eric Dickerson won zero. Marshall Falk won one. Tony Dorsett won one or two. Two. Two, I think. Um, Franco Harris won four. Woo woo. And Ladanian Tomlinson won zero. So yes, that 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 is my point though. Um, in recent history, if you were to pull up the best running backs in the league, 
it still kind of holds true to this, though. I mean, you're talking Christian McCaffrey, first-round pick. Saquon Barkley, first-round pick. Dalvin Ezekiel Cook. Elliott, first-round pick. Dalvin Cook, early second round. Uh, Chubb, second round. Uh, Le'Veon it, Bell. It's actually kind of crazy. You don't see a lot of guys that are even in the top 20 that were drafted outside of the, t- the top two rounds. So, my point is, um, I I do actually agree with not overdrafting running backs, but there are certain running backs that you can overdraft on. Saquon Barkley, I can't... Nobody can tell me that that was an incorrect pick. I mean, I, I've seen so many people try and go back and be like, should they have gotten Baker Mayfield? Uh, Baker Mayfield has a lot of question marks. Uh, should they have gotten, you know, the, what's his name from the Jets? Dar- Darnold? <laughs> All these guys are question marks. Saquon Barkley is truly the real deal. I mean, he had, he had a down season because of injuries, but um, that guy is going gonna, is gonna to manipulate that franchise for the rest of his career. So um, I, I think that, you know, don't overdraft running backs, but there are certain ones that you can reach on. And uh, going past the second round, if you look at the best running backs right now and of all time, very few of them fall past the second round. So I think the second round is, is kind of a sweet spot nowadays. Was Edron James a first-round pick? Yes, he was. Fourth overall. Okay, that was the last number one or the last first-round running back to win a Super Bowl. I was with that's, the Colts. That's not true. Joseph Adai um, was, a, what, 29th, I think. He got a Super Bowl with yeah, the Colts. Yeah, I believe Joseph Adai won. I also think Mark Ingram won one with uh, the, the Saints. Um, and Sony Michelle won one with the Patriots two years ago. But, Ingram did not. Sony Michelle was a first round draft pick. Yeah, he was like late in the in the thirties, yeah. somewhere in there. Sony Michelle was ridiculously dynamic in college. Yeah, um, the only reason you don't know him that much is because he played with Gurley. Well, I mean, Georgia always has a loaded backfield. Uh, he also played with Chubb, so yeah. there's that. Um, yeah, but in in general, uh, going back to what Brandon said, over probably the last. 25 years or so very few first round drafted running backs have played for the team that drafted them in the first round and won a super bowl as a contributor of that team very few of them you could say that about pretty much any position though yeah for sure you could you could cherry pick that stat with a lot of different things it's i i don't think it has to do with the fact that they had that running back i think there's a lot of factors that come into winning championships Uh, that is my point Though, I think that the running back position is a position where you can find plenty of guys later in the draft or even as undrafted free agents that can be good enough for you to make it to a Super Bowl. And we have two point in cases with Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert just this year, right? Both players were undrafted. Raheem Mostert played for like seven different teams. uh, Before he found on he found his way on onto the 49ers. He wasn't even the start of the beginning of the season. And he puts up the most rushing yards in a, in a playoff game, I think, of all time, or second, something like that, right, against uh, against the Packers. So y- you don't have to be drafted to be to be a good player or to or to help the team win. So I, when I when I talk about the players, I think about it from a perspective of is it worth the value of drafting this running back who's you know a fifty fifty percent chance of being a really good player, or should I just wait until later and draft an offensive lineman which has better success rate? All right, guys, we're moving on. This is just annoying. Um, so I, we, we were talking about it yesterday, and I, I, I agree with this 100%. You ever notice when you do franchise drafts with Madden how much better your team would come out than the computer? You're, you notice that, right? So, so th- this is the way I think about the NFL, is that there's a few GMs that are like the user players. 
there, there's these few GMs that have kind of risen above, um, you know, the, the philosophy that all these other GMs are employing. And everybody else is using like a very strict, like do this because of this. It's almost like they're using like this, uh, you know, cookie cutter approach to drafting players. And so many GMs, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning are just terrible and they do that all the time. And then you have these other ones that they seem to think outside the box. Um, And I think that there's this base level analysis that goes on with players that, you know, teams just get so wrapped up in these, little details. So it's almost like if you ever notice, um, you know, you got the ESPN guys that, that build their big board. Have you ever looked at those consistently after the draft actually takes place and you see how inaccurate it actually turns out to be? It's insane. It's never like even close how the draft unfolds. Yeah. How the draft unfolds versus how, how they're doing their stuff. So, so here's the thing. I think that what that, what that shows you is that the teams have these philosophies, right? And they stick to these philosophies in how they rate players and their scouts evaluate those players whereas the players the guys that are doing the job for espn are looking at it from a holistic point of view and they're trying to guess what these teams are going to do based on what they know and what they know about the players what they know about the teams which is why when they project them out that like that they are very inaccurate because the teams will be like all it takes is one right one team fall in love with this guy and they're like yeah i gotta have that guy he falls to me i'm taking him even if it looks like it's a reach based on you know all of the evaluators who do the mock drafts All right. Um, <laughs> so expectations by position. Um, well, well, actually, well, you know, let's just let's just start in first round. Does anybody disagree with Joe Burrow being taken number one overall? Not me. No. Brandon, the, the Bengals should. Well, the Bengals are going to draft Joe Burrow. I, I am on the stance that they shouldn't. Um, the the margin of victory that he gives them next year in the next few years, um, they aren't ready for a franchise ready level quarterback. They would benefit more um, by drafting Chase Young, who is the best prospect in this draft. See, but I don't know where you where you get that from. Um, the Colts, remember when the Colts had Curtis Painter <laughs> and they went zero sixteen? One of the worst teams in history. It went 0-16 with Curtis Painter. The next year, who'd they have? Andrew. Andrew Luck. Luck. What did they do? Went to the yeah, playoffs. They, they, they turned it around. Joe Burrow isn't Andrew Luck. I don't, I don't think anyone would compare them on a prospect level. A lot of scouts would very much disagree with you on that. Yeah. That, that's a hill I'm ready to die. I think Joe Burrow would be a good, a good NFL quarterback. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's, he's – a future all pro. I don't think, you know, uh, he may float around fringe top 10. Um, but I mean, he's not a franchise changing quarterback. He's an NFL starting quarterback and he's, he's the quarterback that I would take, but chase young is going to be he, phenomenal. He is a future all pro. So the Bengals are in a position where they need to draft talent. They need to add talent to their team, and Chase Young is the best talent. I think if you don't go Burrow, it's not Chase Young. Is Cincinnati's move. If it's not Burrow, it's stock picks. You flirt with Miami or Oakland, who has a, a plethora a- of picks. And, that, and it's just that simple as far as the Bengals are concerned. <laughs> but um, to the earlier question, um, yeah, there you take Burrow. There's, there's no individual pick 
worth that spot other than Burrow at the moment. Well, we were talking about it for the cast, and it's so true. You, have you ever noticed there's always these guaranteed <laughs> defenders that are in the draft every year? Uh, from, you know, Garrett to Mario Williams to... Um, Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney. And these guys, and you hear things like guaranteed, you know, all this stuff. There's no guarantee in, in Young. Um, and he plays a significantly less important position than Joe Burrow. To say that Joe Burrow, like to, to downplay Joe Burrow's 2019 season is absolute insanity. Literally the greatest season any quarterback has ever had with possibly the hardest schedule on to boot. The, the, the schedule that he played and the amount of times that he came up so clutch, to say that that's not going to translate over the NFL level, I think is insane. Now, we did talk about it yesterday, and I still agree, that the Bengals are going to find a way to screw this up. <laughs> but it's not going to be because of Joe Burrow. It's going to be because the Bengals are who they are. Who makes more Pro Bowls, Drew? Chase Young or Joe Burrow? Burrow. Burrow. Okay. Easily. Yeah, he'll, like Chase Young makes Pro Bowls. He'll have the longer career. Likely. That's probably true. Um, and, you know, playing in a horseshit division, like, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> no, I think Burrow definitely. But, I mean, we clearly have differing opinions on Burrow. Um, Marcus, what are your thoughts on Burrow? Um, I'm, I'm very skeptical on quarterback prospects coming out of college. Um, who, who was it? Colt Brennan from Hawaii. You know, the terrible division. Burrow blew the like he flirted and blew out those numbers in the SEC. Um, it's like for me, I'm I'm still kind of on the fence with the guys like Trevor Lawrence. Everyone's blowing him. Um, Burrow is the most impressed I've been about a, a quarterback prospect, and it pains me to see him come into the uh, AFC North. But um, the guy's the real deal, um, and I ha- I hate to admit it, but he, I've never been so impressed with. Not just like the stats; sometimes numbers get blown out, but the performances themselves. And like you said, in big games, um, I'm huge upside on Burrow. High floor. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be something something very impressive for a long time. So let's just walk through while we're on this quarterback train. Let, let, let's continue through and let's just go around the horn. So let's go Tua. What are your thoughts on Tua, Brandon? Yeah, it, we've we've had conversations not on on the pod, but um, yeah, if if I'm gun to head taking a quarterback in this draft, I think Tua uh, probably has the best pedigree. I think he probably has the highest upside. He also has the biggest risk. Um, the injuries are a major concern. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 highest on Tua if if I had to have a quarterback in this draft. Um, that's that's who I would go. That's my number one. So for me, Tua's comp is he's a left-handed Drew Brees, right? He's a little bit on the smaller side, but he has that ability to just really spin it and distribute the ball. Uh, he, he does need to have a good offensive line, especially up the middle like Brees does, and he is going to need to go to a place that has some talent at wide receiver to, to really make it all work. He's not a guy that's going to elevate bad receivers consistently into being really good players. But I, I think that with him, you, you, get a, you get a pretty safe floor when healthy. That is the biggest question, though, his, his health. So, um, I love Tua, but when it's all said and done, he's going to be the um, second-best Alabama quarterback from this draft. Um. <laughs> yep. and, 
and your thoughts? Tua, um, I'm not high on him at all. Uh, I, I, I've, I've heard recently that people are talking about taking Herbert over him, and I'm kind of on board with it. Here's the thing, here's the thing that I don't like about Tua. This is a guy that's been the anointed son, the anointed king since he was like 10 years old. He's been this guy for so long. Uh, five-star recruit, you know, coming out of high school. Um, they they passed on another quarterback that's going to go in the top three rounds, uh, Jalen Hurts, who had already won them a national championship, literally just basically threw him away. Like, we don't want you anymore. We got a better guy because that's what Alabama does. But my point is, the guy's never had to work for anything his whole life. He's just been this ultra-talented and, as it turns out, kind of dummy. With the Wonderlick scores. So, I just don't like... There's something about him I just don't like. Give me Burrow all fucking day. Give me a four-star guy who... He, it's not like he comes without pedigree. I mean, he's a four-star coming out of coming out of college. A bunch of different colleges passed on him. Didn't believe on him. B- believe in him. He went to LSU and he shone in the, in the, in the one moment that he was given. Mm-hmm. Give me a guy that scrapped it out like that. To me, that's more of an Aaron Rodgers type. Um, then a guy like, you know, maybe like, like compared to it and maybe like Andrew Luck. And I don't even think they have the same career, but maybe they do have the same injury history. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like Tua has just never really had to work for anything. He's always been the guy. Give me a guy like Burrow that's had to battle for it. Uh, I think that that's one of the things about Burrow that I do really like. I do compare him to Aaron Rodgers or kind of like a Joe Montana where he's kind of got this edge to him, right? That that's what I think is going to allow them to be allow him to be really successful as a quarterback. And he also has, you know, he has the skills. He has he's mobile. He's a little bit on the small side is the only knock against him. But we've seen more and more quarter like quarterbacks that are smaller in stature been able to play at the NFL level now based on the new rules and stuff. So I have no issues with Burrow. At, uh, in that respect. So, uh, been hearing a lot of comparisons on Herbert and Mahomes. Fair or not? What are your assessments on Herbert, guys? Well, Herbert's been on the biggest roller coaster I've seen in quite some time. Um, I, th- I think he was projected top five going, and then he stayed for his senior year uh, so he could get into this year's draft. And then he really, he really lost a lot of draft stock um, the first half of the year. Um, but then his uh, stock soared again. He's big. He's a lot more athletic than everyone anticipated. Um, even watching him in the uh, in the Rose Bowl this past year, and then seeing him run a lot more mobile than you give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Big big size. Everyone loves big arm. But you know he, he's someone that like I said started in the top five, top ten. Then there was rumblings of him maybe not even finding his way into the first round this year, and now he's climbed himself all the way back up and possibly you know being the second quarterback taken back in the top five. So my biggest issue with Herbert is really, if you watched any Oregon football this year, very rarely did the team actually put the game in his hands, right? And if we look at Joe Burrow and we look at Tua Tagovailoa, when the game is in its critical moments, those guys are absolutely having the ball in their hands. Herbert was not always in that situation. They didn't trust him. They chose to, they were a run-heavy team. They didn't let him throw the ball on first and second downs. Like, if this is your stud, right, this is probably the best quarterback that, to, uh, in Oregon since, obviously, Mariota a few years ago and stuff. We're talking five years, whatever. Like, this is the reason that their, their team is supposed to be so good, and yet they wouldn't actually put the ball in his hands in critical moments. That, to me, is a huge flaw and a red flag. Yeah, he, he kind of has a feel for me. Um, like, people kind of overlook the way he actually played. 
because he's such a physical specimen. And that always worries me, right? So, like, a couple guys in previous years, uh, recent years, that have had very similar um, scouting reports, I'd go, like, uh, um, what's his name? Josh Allen, uh, who <laughs> everything that they said about Josh Allen is still true. He's a very questionable passer. Yeah. Uh, he's a phenomenal athlete, and, and there are things that are coming out about him that made him better than I thought he would even be. But uh, Jay Cutler... You know what I'm saying? Uh, a guy that just people were so enamored with his rocket strength, arm yep. without talking about the fact that, you know, a lot of colleges had uh, huge problems with his personality. Um, he had some terrible interviews, you know what I'm saying? So people were just kind of overlooking him like, oh, no, he's he's this stud. He's this gunslinger. Um, and so I worry about guys like Herbert. But I would take Herbert over Tua. If, if, like, just, just right now, like... The, I like more about Herbert than I like about Tua. Um, it, it's always interesting when players would have been, you know, the top three, and then they come out another year and then they slide. That's always really interesting to me. Um, it rarely works out, by the way. <laughs> so, so, let me ask you this: What? So, um, as a prelude, J- Jalen Hurts. I, I love the guy. Yeah, you, you talked about him. Uh, you know, getting benched to Alabama. Um, everyone was worried about him passing the ball, me being a runner or whatnot. Then you get a guy moves to Oklahoma, and by the way, his character is unquestioned. He did a, he, he was fantastic the way he handled everything at Alabama. So he goes to Oklahoma, puts up video game numbers, you know, Heisman finalist. Now he's a second round prospect. Um, this is a guy who's had to battle, had to grind, had to fight. Um, I I, th- I think he's one of my favorite quarterbacks, specifically. Um, Draft position wise, so where do you, where do you fall or stand on Jalen? Yeah, I, again, I I love him. He's he's a perfect Big Twelve quarterback, right? Um, he where it's basically seven on seven football. Um, if he could play seven on seven football, he he probably would be my QB one. Um, but that's not you know there's actual defenses um, in the NFL. Uh, so I'm, I'm almost completely opposite. Um, I, there's, there's rumors that the Steelers would be interested in, in a quarterback in the, in the second round. It is terrifying that they, I haven't, I haven't heard anything where they've been linked to Jalen, but, um, there's been rumors that the Steelers could take a quarterback in the second round. And you're right. That's where everyone's saying Jalen's likely going to fall. So that is a, a terrifying thought for me, who is not high. On Jalen Hurts. So, so here's my question for you: What's the difference between Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield? First overall and second round. Uh, in terms of skill wise, well, the skill- Jalen is faster, right? He's stronger. He's bigger. Uh, I mean, what is it that Baker has that Jalen doesn't have, and why is Baker projected? Why, why did Baker go number one, and Jalen's going to fall out of the first round? Why is that happening? I like Baker better as a passer for sure. I, th- I think that. Um, Especially in the last game that I saw Jalen Hurts play, uh, it seemed like he got seriously exposed. Um, because when when it when it was when LSU just absolutely destroyed them, um, and he was expected to throw, he looked terrible. Uh, and so I was actually really in on Hurts. It would it would be very different if that game never took place. Um, yeah, when, when he when it fell on him and he was expected to throw, I feel like he just kind of. 
died. Well, how about Baker's last game in college against Georgia when he completely collapsed and they blew that lead, that huge lead in the same same venue, basically, See, college football playoff. I didn't really worry about Baker's throwing going into that game. I worried about Hertz's throwing going into the game. I I, I think it's why Alabama moved on from him uh, because I just don't think he's a good downfield passer. Yeah, uh-huh. against actual NFL talent, which, you know, Saban sees at Alabama every practice. We saw it at, you know, with LSU. What Hertz did against actual NFL talent, that's what makes what Joe Burrow did so impressive, right? I mean, we've all said it. Um, you know, look what Joe Burrow did against future NFL talent. Look what Jalen Hurts did against future NFL talent. Seven, what was it? Joe Burrow had seven touchdowns in one game against Oklahoma. <laughs> that game was so ridiculous to watch. It was absolutely ridiculous. Five touchdowns in one half. Um, so who's your favorite player in the draft? Just overall. Doesn't have to be any specific position. Who's the best player in the draft? Isaiah Simmons for me, hands down. Why is that? He's got the size, crazy speed. 240 runs a sub 4-4. But obviously there's a lot of athletic, talented guys that you see year in and year out. But when you, for me, when you see a guy played for Clemson, and he, I think, I think it was five five different positions where the guy played um, significant uh, significant role, but over a hundred snaps at five different positions. That that's today's NFL. Um, so much versatility, um, and someone who's made plays consistently. Um, he's just he's unmatched in my 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 book. What position do you think he ends up at? Um, safety, um, but it's going to be like your uh, your rover safety, um, and, and this is kind of what you need in today's NFL. You need someone who can come down and fill as a linebacker, um, but someone who can move and cover in your nickel dime packages. Um, so he's he's your hybrid guy. Yeah, who, who does he remind you of? Um, a talented Taylor Mays. <laughs> um, you know, he's got the size and speed, but he's proven to be um, successful at all of his positions. Um, you know, I know he's got the Derwin com- uh, comparables. I don't really see it. Um, there's a versatility, but uh, we really haven't seen anyone um, of like like him that can move that fast, be that big. Um, what about Brian Erlacher? Well, well, Erlacher when he was started as a safety, but he was 190 at the time. He didn't start at 240. He he bulked up to move into linebacker. I know Isaiah Tom like Erlacher obviously filled up. You know he 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 did fill in and he he was he was inevitably uh, a large Hall of Fame player. Um, but he did play safety a lot of DB in college, and I think the two have a lot of comparisons comparables that people aren't really talking about. I think that Simmons was so fluid in that defense. We don't really even know what position he's going to play. He could play middle linebacker. He could play outside linebacker. I think he could even play defensive end. Oh, without a doubt. Edge rusher? Yeah. No doubt. He he actually did. I think he's got uh, 20-some-odd, like, forces rushing from the edge. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a havoc creator. This situation, I think, matters so much. Right. Like the reason why Troy Palomalu got maximized in Pittsburgh was because Dick LeBeau, one of the best defensive minds in NFL history, built a scheme around Troy. I think scheme and team is going to be so important for Isaiah Simmons because of all the reasons we just mentioned. Right. Mm -hmm. I think you can put him in a. In a non advantageous spot and he could get exposed or you can build him build things around him in all the right ways and he'd be an absolute stud but 
it, it, there's going to be a lot of factors that kind of determine his trajectory. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I see Simmons. It's kind of tough to uh, to project. So I don't think that there's any chance that he gets exposed. I think that at worst, his downside is that he's just a good player or an average player uh, if he's used improperly. But if he falls into the right defensive coordinator's hands, this guy can be an absolute game wrecker and game changer. He, he's my favorite player in the draft because he makes me want to go to the whiteboard and just start drawing up defenses and and seeing how I could just screw with defense, uh, screw with offenses, right? You can get him into the quarterback's head. The quarterback has to find him every play, right? So, like, that absolutely changes the way the offense is going to play football. You can actually take the take control as a defense. We can dictate terms to the offense on what you're able to do. That's powerful. So, my favorite player in the draft is Joe Burrow. And I, 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 unabashedly, I, I don't care. Um, I believe in this guy so much. I wrote an article about him. Check it, check it out on the sportsmemory.com. Um, I'm obsessed with the guy. Uh, I, I I think he's got everything you want. Did you see his 40 time? So four, five, four, six, four, six, five or something like that. I mean, that, that's like a, you know, it's pretty good. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so for compare comparables, uh, Patrick Mahomes ran a four, eight, two, um, you know, and, and there's other things to speed than just 40 yard dash, but uh, I think, you know, I can't really pinpoint a weakness in the guy. Um, I think he's got the right mindset to go into a shitty program and just perform day one. Um, I actually disagree completely with Brandon, um, where he says, you know, the relative win numbers, they fluctuate so low. I couldn't disagree more with that point. I think that the Bengals, if you actually look at them, how, how many games they lost by one score last year, I think that they are a cusp team to do it now do i think they will uh maybe not but i think joe burrow gives them the best chance would you would you give up as a vikings fan you're you guys up two first rounders yeah how would you feel if magically you guys gave up both first rounders and a second and Kirk cousins for number one overall i love it heartbeat yep that's a 100 percent. i think you get joe burrow day one the vikings are better <laughs> but that's just how i feel about Kirk cousins for sure <laughs> Right. But uh, so fantasy wise, who do you think in this draft first round or, or even outside, who's going to be the biggest fantasy contributor this year? So now you guys start looking at projections, um, a, a rough guesstimate projection. Um, DeAndre Swift uh, is a chief's projections, obviously someone who's going to really hop into hop into mind there. Um and that or whoever the Raiders take at receiver, um, whether it be, uh, which should be C.D. Lamb. Um, but I think it's going to be some, somewhere in that little range. I think it's going to be Henry Ruggs. I think they're going to fall in love with the speed and the Alabama. Raider format. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that fits, the, fits the Raider mold and, and John Gruden and, and, and Mike Mayock's plans. Uh, I agree with you. I think the best fantasy player in this draft is going to be whichever running back the Kansas City Chiefs draft, right? Uh, if Cam Akers winds up on that team, Good night. Uh, Cam, Cam should be a first-round pick. If uh, J.K. Dobbins winds up on that team, good night. He should be a first-round pick. There's a lot of guys. Whichever running back winds up on the Kansas City Chiefs, that's, that, to me, that's the best spot for any running back to land because that's team. It's instant offense, and their offense is already great. You plug and play a running back in there. You, you, great player. 
So, well, I, I doubt um, these wide receivers are going to become busts um, like others in the past, but look at what rookie wide receivers were able to do last year. I mean, the, the stats that, uh, that they put up were just crazy. Um, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, um, the, the list goes on of just absolutely stud wide receivers. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, I agree with Marcus, um, whatever wide receiver goes to, uh, goes to the Raiders is going to definitely be someone to keep your eye on in, in fantasy football. Um, but can we just do a quick little exercise and between, uh, Judy Lamb and Ruggs, um, Newman, who would you, you said you would take rugs out of those three? No, 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 no. That's what I said. I think the Raiders will do. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Jerry Judy if I'm picking amongst the three of them, but I think it also could be something that is situational, right? So depending on which team you are and, and what you need at, as a wide receiver, I think another good landing spot for a wide receiver is also San Francisco, right? This is a, this is a team that has the opportunity, you know, to take, to take a really good wide receiver, um, to pair alongside, uh, Pair, pair alongside Debo Samuel, who I think is a, he's kind of a freak, and he's just just coming out. So um, San Francisco Ruggs, did give up. Ruggs and Samuel would make a great combo. How about CD? How about CD Lamb and and Debo Samuel? Like I've heard I've heard CD Lamb get compared to DeAndre Hopkins in terms of stylistically, which to me I could see it. He's just one of those guys. He goes get goes and gets the ball right. Doesn't matter. That's what. That's one of the things that helped Jalen Hurts be successful there is that the quarterback would just kind of throw him the ball and he'd go get it. And then it helped Kyler and it helped. Uh, it helped Baker too. So I'm looking at a mock draft right now from CBS. So it was just updated like yesterday, and it has five wide receivers going in the first round. To me, this is a recipe for disaster. I think we might see more than that. Yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of talks of six. I think five five and a half is your over under um, as far as gambling. I think that's crazy. I, We're not talking about Justin Jefferson yeah. out of LSU. I, this this mock draft I just pulled up has him going to the Vikings, which, fuck that. Um, I, I, I'd i see more than any other position, I think that's a position you wait on. Uh, for, the four first-round picks in 2016 were all colossal busts. Um, I just, but what about the 2014 draft? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you there's some outliers for sure, but I think as a whole – First round wide receivers, I just I don't I wouldn't touch them. I think especially with how deep this draft is, wide receiver wise, I would definitely wait to the second third round to there, grab one. There, there's a lot of really really good talent. Um, obviously, different body types, but there's a lot of good talent that'll be sitting in the second third rounds. Uh, Pittman out of USC is a big body guy for sure. Um, KJ, Van Jefferson, KJ Hamler, and J- Jalen Reger is one of my favorite prospects. He may sneak into the first round. It, he he should. He's he's an ultra talented guy who's versatile as as far as return game goes um, and a grinder. Um, but he's someone who's there's talks of late second falling into the third, but he's a first round talent. Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool. Uh, we we talked about Chase Claypool on the podcast before. He he put up basically numbers that hadn't been seen at the combine since Calvin Johnson. Okay, sign me up. Yep. Um. So one of the more interesting things, uh, you know, we talked about it last podcast, which is uh, with sports being gone, the biggest thing also being gone is betting. So with the NFL draft comes an interesting opportunity for prop bets. Um. And with that in mind, we have our Vegas expert. Marcus with us today. Uh, Marcus, are there any interesting prop prop bets that you want to jump on? Like, what 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 should people be betting on? What what do you find the most intriguing? All right, so um, 
So a lot of over-under props for player draft positions. Um, those are the ones that are really going to get you. Um, I've bet big on um, Isaiah Simmons um, over-under spot. Uh, what what is it? So right now he's projected at six and a half is the over under mark. Do you think he's wow going, yeah. under? So under he's, he's, he started at five and a half, and I, I right now I've got he him at under hammered. six and a half. So I hammered that one. Um, and now Jeff Okuda, um, Okuda, whatever he's yeah. uh, four and a half is his spot. Uh, two was five and a half, but now uh, Justin Herbert snuck up his over under. Do you think he's going top five, five and a half as well? Um, I might stay away from those. There, there, see, there's a lot of there's a lot of props there that uh, some of them are scary, very scary to look at. Yeah. Um, so some of the ones that are really intriguing to me are your uh, first round selections by team. Um, so you have play teams like Clemson and Auburn are both over under one and a half players in the first round. Um, I'm taking the over on Clemson. I can only really think of one Auburn player, and that's Derek Brown. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah who, a, who would be? Is there an is there another guy that I'm missing? They've got, um, I think, uh, like a, a linebacker sliding in. Um, but the, the odds are tr- tr- uh, terrible on that one. Uh, one's very intriguing to me is uh, Ohio State. Uh, you have over under two and a half. Now, we have two guys that are projected in the top, top three. Top five, yeah. Well, top three, top five. Sure. Now, do you think one more Ohio State guy slides in in the whole round? I mean, you, if, you, if, you get, if you get J.K. Dobbins in, right, uh, that would be a guy that could potentially get in there. Um, I don't know that they have any other linebackers or anything that I'd really target there or offensive linemen this year, which is interesting. So so uh, that, that's a tough one. So, yeah, now, uh, like Drew, like we mentioned earlier, uh, five and a half is your number four receivers in the first round. Um, but yeah, here, here's an – I might in- take the over on that. Here, here's a very interesting uh, number if you guys want to listen on this one. So we have um, over-under running backs in the first round. Um, it's over-under it's over one-and-a-half, but under one-and-a-half is uh, minus 1,100 odds, which just smokes you. But you have plus, plus, six and a, plus 625 for over for two running backs in the first round. Um, it's a great value bet. Um, you know, Maybe someone's a couple guys slide in late. But it's pays six to one for more than one guy to slide into the first round as a running back. The, the degenerate I am, I'm definitely putting money on that bet. You know, teams fall in love with guys, um, so yeah, especially with those odds, I would I would definitely fuck with that bet. Yeah, I, I've I've heard rumors of the Bucks falling in love with a couple running backs, and that's totally Jason Light time type move to uh, move back into the first to take one at, at the second uh, in the second uh, as his second pick of the first round, he would totally forfeit like three draft picks to mm-hmm. do it. So uh, I, I would probably take the over on one and a half just because it's odds, fun. Right? Yeah, it sounds fun. I love that Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons bet six and a half, six and a half so. all day. Yeah. yeah I'm so. mortgaging my house and I'm taking out <laughs> another mortgage. And yeah. Putting- yeah, that's well, big time. Unfortunately, man. they normally cap those for you, Brandon. So you can probably only put so much money on it. But nope, depends on your bookie. So I've got. A, well, that's true. I've got some good dollars. Um, it started at five and a half, so I took under, and I I, I loved it there. Um, but and I I, I tripled what? my bet on six and a half. Okay, so I have two questions for you. What's the over under on Alabama players being drafted? Five and a half. Time? Okay, five and a half. Wow, you got two yeah. receivers, Xavier McKinney, possibly three. three receivers. Yeah, linemen. You're looking at definitely five that are going to slide well, in. Well, there. yeah, you got Jedrick Wills too, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd probably take the over on that five and a half. And then my other question is, how many DBs do they have? What's the over under for that? Uh, so that that one isn't showing. Just and does yet. Isaiah Simmons count as a DB? 
Mm, so I think he's he might be a reason why you don't have uh, the DB prop open yet. Um, um, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that's available come draft day. Um, but these are the prelim ones that they're, they've been changing the odds and um, yeah. um, numbers each every other day. Well, well, that's one of the funny things about the NFL draft is teams can go to the mic and they can say such and such player at this position, right? And you can be like, but he didn't play that position. He played another position in college. And it's like, well, this is what they're drafting him such and such as. So that's an interesting thought process for the Isaiah Simmons and what position will he actually play? Yeah, so there, yeah, there's a couple good guys up there. Um, I don't know if you maybe, – maybe we'll put together some, uh, some side action for us based on what's available, and uh, we'll kind of do like a pool bet and see who can rack up the most points. So let me ask you this. Outside of LSU, let's say Clemson and Alabama, who has the most team – who has the most players drafted? In, in the first round? In a total. Oh, total? Yeah, Alabama. No, no. no outside no, of out, Alabama, outside Clemson, of and, and uh, LSU. The, the Ohio State always has a ton, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ohio State has two guarantees, but where where do the other ones come well, from? Well, then then the I, I have to ride probably someone like, um, it should be like a, I want to. You'd want to say Big Ten, but I might ride someone like Oklahoma who's going to throw a lot of mid mid round picks in there this year. Um, but I Oklahoma probably has at least two in Kenneth Murray and C.D. Lamb that I can think of off the top of my head. Well, well, you just said drafted, but if we're talking first oh, round, it's oh, a, oh, 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 were, were you talking first round, Drew? Doesn't matter. Oh, oh no, overall drafted. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, probably Ohio State. So running backs, kind of a weak running back class. I, I, I would disagree with you on that. I think this there's a lot of depth. There's just not a ton of super high-end players. So uh, I think that there's a lot of mid-round talent uh, at the running back position, and I think if you take the philosophy as I can get a guy later uh, that, that fits my scheme better, then I don't need to invest heavily in that running back. I think you could see some real studs. One particular guy I've got my, my, uh, my eye on is Antonio Gibson out of Memphis who's an absolute freak in terms of size and athletic ability. He actually is listed as some, and sometimes he's listed as a running back. Sometimes he's listed as a wide receiver. He can do both. To me, that's a guy that a team like the Bucks with Tom Brady needing a pass catching running back. If you could grab that guy in the third or fourth round, that would absolutely take you. You could, I, I could see him turning into a David Johnson in the Bruce Arians offense kind of player. Yes, yeah. Top end talent as a whole, little struggle weak as far as the running backs are concerned. But man, there, there's there's a lot of day one producers that can come and play in the second, third, fourth rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not be like perennial Pro Bowlers, but someone that you can get in and see action day one. So we just got our teams. Um, I'm a Vikings fan. Brandon is a Steelers fan. Marcus is a Steelers fan. Newman is not a fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Newman likes two different teams, so we don't call him a real fan. Um, but let's assume that Newman's team is the Bucks. Let's go around and fr- first round, you're on the clock. Who do you want your team to take? Start us off, Marcus. Um, I would like for my team to draft an all-pro safety in the first round. Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the Steelers do not actually have a first-round draft pick. So let's pretend that they have the pick that they're giving up, 
uh, to the Dolphins. Which... Oh, well, well, we'll just go right into that second round. Uh, um, who do you want the Stewards to take? Um, I, w- I would love for them to take Jalen. My Truthfully, my top three are all on offense as for the Steelers, and that's Jalen Reger, Cam Akers, and Jalen Hurts. That, that's my top three um, for Pittsburgh. Those are the guys I want to see. You like two Jalens, huh? I do. Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. I, I don't know if he'll be there, um, but uh, I'm kind of kind of stuck on uh, Zach Bond of linebacker from Wisconsin. Um, the Steelers are thin at linebacker. Um, they only have Bud Dupree um, for this year. Um, the Steelers have a success when they can really let their linebackers learn um, their 3-4 system for a year. I think that would be a perfect time to draft Bud Dupree's replacement yeah. um, and let him learn and develop throughout the year. Um, Brandon, so, Brandon is going to be very, very disappointed when he winds up on the Ravens at the end of the first round. <laughs> that I mean, yeah, that 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 would be devastating. It always seems Ozzy's always stealing Colbert's picks. Well, he's uh, retired now, so right. Well. The Ravens are always taking Steeler players because that's what the dirty rap birds do. But, um, yeah, no. So, any linebacker for me, inside or out. But if I had to pick, it would be Zach Bond. So, the Vikings are in an interesting position because uh, last year before the draft, uh, it was well known that um, Mike Zimmer's daughter said that she would disown Mike Zimmer if they took a cornerback in the first round. Because Zimmer's done it so many years, uh, it's almost always been successful. But in recent years, it has stumbled a little bit. So they didn't want him to take a cornerback in the first round last year. Vikings had the worst secondary they've had ever under Zimmer. And I find it so fascinating with Mike Zimmer is that he can take a guy like Terrence Newman when he's 37 years old, turn his career back seven years, and turn him into this dynamic player on his defense. But for some reason, he is not great at developing draft talent. I don't know what it is about him. He's so much better at bringing on free agents. So the Vikings are in serious need of cornerbacks. I mean, we got rid of Xavier Rhodes. Uh, We got rid of Trey Waynes. We got rid of even McKenzie Alexander. Mm -hmm. So we are literally left with... And Curse. We are are literally left with... I mean, Curse was a safety... But uh, we're, we're left with a, a scrap heap, essentially. Um, and so the assumption is that we're going to go get a cornerback in the first round. But, man, I really question that a lot. I think for the Vikings, they need to go interior defensive line. I don't necessarily have a guy picked out. Um, and I would avoid cornerback again. Uh, try, and bring in, try and bring in a free agent like Zimmer has done so many times in the past. Maybe a guy that sputtered a guy that hasn't been all that great in recent years uh, but was good in the past, and he's so good at turning guys around. I don't know that he's all that great at developing talent. The best talent he ever developed by far is Xavier Rhodes um, because Xavier Rhodes had some serious holding issues in, earlier in his career, uh, and he did like do a lot of things to correct all that. But for me, if you're the Vikings, I would avoid getting a cornerback in the first round, a draft for need on the offensive line and on the defensive line, and avoid cornerbacks at all costs. What's their pick number again? Uh, it's 20. You got two of them now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure off the top of my head, but it, they're both late in the first round. Well, I've got, I've got a good option for you. Um, 
AJ Terrell is going to be someone that's going to be flirting with you guys. Corner out of Clemson. Who? But AJ Terrell is a, he's an athletic corner out of Clemson. He's got some late uh, first round, early second projections. Mm-hmm. But I think you're probably at the fill that need. But you know, possibly with one of your um, maybe your later first round pick, something that could be very beneficial for you guys is um, one of your uh, lower t- lower tier teams trading back into the first for that slot. For next year's first and maybe like a fourth or fifth and find yourself an early 2021 pick, um, which could potentially be uh, Trevor Lawrence or uh, my man Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State. That could be something very interesting um, as, as a trade-back option for you guys. Man. I didn't expect to get a boner. <laughs> You're Viking, if the Vikings can move on from Kirk Cousins, go to Trevor. Man, I, this is not going to happen, but um, yeah, dude. Uh I, yeah, anyways. Um, so, An- another quick question for you real quick on the Vikings while we're here. If they do draft a corner, is there a guy that you like at either of those spots? To be honest, no, not really. Okay. That's the thing is I, I don't I don't find any of them that spectacular. It seems to be a pretty deep cornerback draft. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a pretty deep all-around draft, by the way, except from what for, I've been reading. Except for I think the, the real... There's not a lot of top-end defensive line talent. There's only maybe four guys projected to go in the first round that are rated as defensive linemen, maybe five, if you if you include, like, A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa. So I, th- I think this could this could be in the area where the, the draft is the weakest, is, is the real defensive line studs. Yeah, what happened to all the three-technique guys? They seem to be in serious... Um, it's like a scarcity out there, including in the NFL itself. It seems like teams are always... The Vikings have been seeking a three-technique guy for mm-hmm. many, many seasons. They picked up what's-his-name from the Jets um, a couple of years ago. Sheldon Richardson. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, who was just ridiculously good for us. Uh, but, you know, guys like Dominican Sue and, and Sheldon Richardson, like, there, there aren't that many great ones anymore, and they're so essential to certain defenses um, do you guys like any three technique guys in this draft? Well, your your dominant three techs are so few and far between. A lot more often than not, you need a uh, three tech who's just going to fill up space, and that's really their their job. Uh, like snack for Pittsburgh, Casey Hampton. That that was his role for so long was just plug up space, keep the def- keep the offense from getting the double teams and the guys get to the second level, and that's the true um, role for a three tech. Sue's just a Truthfully, his numbers are higher when he's not in a three-tech, but he's just one of those freak athletes that he can just be productive wherever wherever he's at. He's a game, kind of he's a game wrecker. Um, you know, I mean, it's so many, so many more sub-packages are being used than, than base defenses now. Um, so I, I think that's why you see both in college and professional that position just not having a lot of guys there as I, I, kind of the modern trend to move away. I think we see it a little bit cyclically. So last year, there was quite a few guys that were that were there. Ed Oliver out of Houston and uh, like Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins, both out of Clemson. Uh, Alabama ha- had Quinn Williams. So I, I feel like there's a few guys that come through. But it, but this this year's draft, particularly, there's not a lot of good ones. And then the Bucks drafted Vita Villa, right? Uh, and he was the only real three technique in that draft, which is one of the things that elevated his stock, probably over-elevated it. But in terms of this year, the guys that I think there's really two guys that you focus on. It's it's Derek at, right at the top of the draft. Derek Brown out of Auburn and uh, Javon Kinlaw out of out of South Carolina are the only two real guys at that position that are going to be in the first round. So um, 
before we go, uh, just anybody want to just give any closing comments or anything like that about well, the draft itself? Do I get itself? to pick for the Bucks? Oh, I didn't know you hadn't picked. Yeah, so uh, give me... He doesn't get a pick. He doesn't have a team. Get, yeah, you get, don't have a team. Give me Chris, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa all fucking day. That guy is a plug-and-play starter at the tackle position, and he's going to be there for 10, 12 years. Freak athlete. He was a wrestler in high school. He was a shot putter in high school. And then he developed at Iowa, where they really know how to coach offensive linemen. So that, that's my guy all day. So let me ask you guys this. I think the draft is pretty important to all of us. It certainly is important to me. We were talking about it yesterday. The, the, the Super Bowl ends, and then you got a little bit of time in between. Um, and then the draft kind of brings it back. There's something about when that first hit kicks in. Mm, man, I feel like I'm fucking back every time. I don't even care if the Vikings don't have a first-round pick. I don't care if they have a second-round pick. It's something about just seeing logos on a screen and then seeing players that I've watched play college football be assigned to a team. Like a meat market? Yeah, it really is. No, it, it, it's really exciting. So let's talk about it. Uh, does anybody have any interesting like draft rituals that they do or anything like that? Well, Newman and I have watched every draft together for... It's got to be... Almost 10 years. Yeah, almost 10, 10 years. years like that. And really? Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the wow. first round, yep. Yeah, and all you know, all of us have been starting to get together. Um, I, I like making an entire day out of it because this this is the season kicking off, which is why I was like, hey, we're done at twelve. We're all here having drinks. We're gonna start grilling out. It's it's a celebration, man. This is like this is when it all begins. It all starts culminating, and now we get the gears rolling for yep. the for the following season. Um, I I I get just as amped for the draft. As I do for like opening day, the Super Bowl when the Steelers aren't in it, um, it it just it just really gets everything going for me. It's so much more interesting than any other sports draft, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it's just so, so much that goes on. You know, like how, we could all remember when uh, like Jacksonville trades up into the first round or like terrible top ten first round quarterbacks go. Like, well, Bortles, uh, Blaine Gabbert. Guys moving around, you're like, what? Jake Locker, yeah. Christian Ponder. There's been some bad ones up in the top ten. Well, more than any other sport, you know, it's you can you can get your guy that's going to alter your entire franchise, and there's something so exciting about that. Um, but yeah, anybody else have any like interesting rituals? Booing Roger Goodell. Booing Roger Goodell. <laughs> what a bastard, man! <laughs> you think you think it gets to him? It has to, right? Or do, do the paychecks? Clearing every every week just make it not even a problem. I, th- I think he has to I love think, it. Not my, I guess my real question for this year, since it's going to be uh, all done virtually, are they going to put pump booing into the sounds for the television broadcast? <laughs> we are. We are. We're going to boo them on screen and, and record it and send it out for you guys. So, so Brandon, any plans for the draft? Uh, again, quarantine, so it's tough. Um, I'll definitely be watching it from the – from from my couch with my wife, um, I've uh, Stockholm syndromed her into being a diehard Steelers fan. So <laughs> her and I, uh, her and I will be locked into watching it. But um, I went out to a bar and uh, watched the Steelers trade up last year to get Devin Bush, and then blacked out um, a- after that happened in celebration. So um, no no particular ones, but similar to you guys. I mean, it's just so monumental. So. It is so monumental. Um, actually, probably one of my best recent uh, draft memories was actually when I was in Indianapolis. Uh, we went out. I don't know if you you went out with us, 
But um, me and Briggs and Corey, we all went out to the local bar, and the Vikings didn't even have a first-round pick. Uh, and at the very, very end of the first round, they traded up to get Teddy Bridgewater. And I remember I drank that night away. Like the oh, Vikings yeah. had just cured all their problems with that pick. And that's what's so fun to me about the draft itself is because you can fool yourself into thinking that this player that will likely bust is going to change your team. And so the fascination each and every year, because they could possibly do that, it ramps up every fucking time. And what it really all speaks to is how much better football is in other sports. We call ourselves a sports memory, but really more accurately, we're like the NFL memory. Anyways, I'm Drew Forbes. I was joined today with Brandon Brister, Newman, and Marcus. Let's do this again sometime, guys. I love you. Let's have sex. Let's have sex.